22b2 in the Archwa Gemara on the second column. We are in the middle of a discussion about Ameya Aretz, about people who were uh, less knowledgeable, especially in the areas of purity and impurity, Tumantara. And the Gemara assumed until now that they are not believed to say that they put a. Uh, uh, something into the mikvah that they that they made something pure, something which was impure that they made it pure, and that they were, they were not believed for that. And the Gemara is going to question that: Is it really true that they're not believed? And again, the reason to not believe them is because they are not uh, knowledgeable in these areas of law. So even if they think that they're doing the right thing, it might not be true. They might have done something incorrectly. So uh, it's going to be difficult for us to believe them. So the Gemara assumes that until now, that we do not believe them to say that they put something into the mikvah, and the Gemara is now going to question that. The Gemara says about Tvila lo mehemni, is it really true that in, that the Amea Aretz, those that are not knowledgeable in these areas of law, they're not believed to say that they put something into the mikvah? Vatanya, but we learned in a brisa, ne'manim Amea Aretz, altaros tefilas tumeimes, that Amea Aretz, not only they believed with regards to the mikvah, but they're even believed with regards to becoming pure when it comes to a tame mace, when somebody became impure from a corpse, which is a very high level of impurity, which requires a lot more to become pure. And they are believed. So Abayah, there are going to be two answers to the Gemara. Amar Abayah, Abayah says, Lokasha habagufo habakelov. There's a difference between Amar, it's saying that they themselves went into the mikvah, we believe them for themselves, that they went into the mikvah, but we don't believe them when it comes to their vessels. When it comes to their vessels, uh, we do not believe them because they, the Amaya Aret, they attach greater importance to their own personal purity, their own personal Tyra, as opposed to their vessels. So they're going to be less knowledgeable, more lenient, more relaxed about it when it comes to their vessels as opposed to themselves. So we'll believe them when it comes to themselves, that they themselves went to the mikvah, they were impure, they made themselves pure. We'll believe them when it comes to their kalim, their vessels, we will not believe them. That's answer number one. Answer number two. Rava Amar, Rava says, No, even with regards to their vessels, we still believe them, but it depends when. Again, we had a contradiction as to whether we believe them or not, and it says it depends. Velokasha, there's no difficulty between the two different brisas. One saying that we do believe them, one says that we don't. Even And they're both referring to Kalim, referring to the utensils of the Amearet. Hadam Rameolam loit batal hit balti kli besoch kli. He says it depends. It depends on how detailed they get. If they say that we put the utensil into the mikvah, and it was never a situation where it was kli betochli, where it was one utensil inside of another utensil, so that doesn't require nuances. They said that they just put the utensil into the mikvah. We believe them. However, once they get into details and they say, you know what, we did one kli inside of another kli, one utensil inside of another but we made sure that the opening would be more than the size of two fingers rotating around of Kishoferis and Ode, that they get into all these details, then we have a harder time. We don't believe them because that's already getting into the nuances and the details beyond just a regular, normal uh, immersion of the of the, uh, of the the utensils. The Atana, and a way to prove this is that the Brites also says, that in Amaretz, these Amaretz, these people who are less knowledgeable, they're believed to say that when it comes to uh, when it comes to fruit, they could only become impure. Fruit can only become impure once 
it, something wet has touched it after it is detached from the ground. That doesn't automatically make it impure, but it then gives it the ability to become impure. So in that area as well, we say that if the Amarit is believed to say that the fruit never touched any uh, liquid. But they're not believed to say that they touched it, but they never actually became impure. Once you get into the details, then we don't believe them. So that's the that's the idea. So again, the first answer was that the distinction is between themselves and their utensils. They're not believed they're utensils, they're believed for themselves. The second answer, Rava says, that no, even with regards to utensils, they're believed, but it depends as to whether it's just a normal uh, tefillah, a normal immersion into the mikvah, or it's more detailed. Once you get, once it's more detailed, we do not believe them. Now the Gemara questions, even with regards to themselves, whether or not they're able believed with regards to themselves, which seemingly everyone would agree to. The Gemara says, is it really true that just they themselves going to the mikvah, they're believed? But it's taught in a b'risa, Chaver shebala hazos mazen alav miyad. Amar shebala hazos in mazen alav achiyas b'fanenu shlishi u'shvi. The Brisa says that when it comes to becoming pure after uh, after becoming impure from a corpse, what's required is, as we mentioned before, it's a more detailed uh, tahara process to become pure. The process is a lot more is involved to become pure. It's not just about going to the mikvah. What we also require is that there's a seven-day wait to go to the mikvah. After you've touched the impurity, you have to wait seven days. But besides for waiting seven days to go to the mikvah, on day three and day seven, we also require what we call hazah, where we sprinkle some of the para-aduma waters. We sprinkle para-aduma waters on day three and day seven. And so we, we say, this Bryce says, that we believe somebody who's a chaver, somebody who's knowledgeable. So they're believed on to say that they that today's day three for them, for us to sprinkle the paraduma waters on them. But in Amarat, we don't believe them to say that today's day three or day seven until we actually know, within our presence, we know that it's day three and uh, day seven. So we don't believe the Amarats, even with regards to their own immersion. This is not about going to the mikvah, but this is about counting the proper days. We don't believe them with regards to counting the proper days, even with regards to themselves, their own tahara process, not their utensils, but they themselves. So what's going on here? So the answer is, No, we believe them with regards to going to the mikvah. The reason why we believe them with regards to going to the mikvah, the logic behind it is that we are so severe with them in the beginning, where we say, we have to know, you have to come in front of us every single day. We have to know explicitly that today is day three, today is day seven. Um, And because we are so stringent and severe with them in the beginning, they themselves are going to take it so seriously and then we're going to believe them on their own when they go to the mikvah after day seven. After they go to the mikvah and they tell us they went to the mikvah, we will believe them. So the reason why we believe them in the end is because of the stringency that took place at the very beginning. Because we were very stringent with them in the beginning to say, we have to know, it has to be in our presence that today is day three. We have to count with you. So then we were able to be more lenient in the end when they tell us that they went to the mikvah because when we're stringent with them, they're going to take it more seriously and then we could trust them towards the end. And that is the end of that part of the Gemara. So again, we had two different explanations as to whether or not we believe the Ame Arts to say that they went to the Mikvah. According to the first opinion, we believe them with regards to themselves and not with regards to the utensils. And we explained that the reason why we believe them with regards to themselves is because we were stringent with them in the beginning to make sure that we're with them during their count of three and seven when it comes to the impurity of a corpse. 
And the second answer was that, no, even with regards to vessels, we will believe them as long as it is not a nuanced case. As long as it's a typical case, we will believe them. The Gemara now goes on to the second case of the Mishnah. Just to review, the Mishnah that we had from two weeks ago, from Chaf Amabez, was a Mishnah that described various stringencies that we have with regards to the laws of purity and impurity of Tumantara when it comes to Kodesh, when it comes to the service in the base of Mikdash, which is a greater stringency than other than normal food, just regular chul and normal food that we eat, uh, and also truma. And it's also more stringent than truma, which is the food that we give to a Kohen, the special food that we give to a Kohen. There are various stringencies. The second case was that when it comes to uh, this is a rabbinic impurity that we say that when liquid, uh, which is impure, touches a kalim, touches utensils, which is makes it also impure. But that impurity is not on a biblical level; that's on a rabbinic level. What water or liquid which is impure on a on a biblical level does not make utensils impure. Uh, it doesn't make utensils impure, but it's a rabbinic decree that we said that it makes it impure. Uh, and the details are, are a bit more complicated as to why they made that, that decree, but they made that decree to say that uh, all water, all liquid that's impure will make utensils impure on a rabbinic level. But the Mishnah pointed out that with regards to regular food and with regards to also truma, it's, uh, it's different than a biblical impurity. When it comes to biblical impurity, once it touches one part of the utensil, one part of the person, the entire person or the entire utensil becomes impure. But that's not the case with regards to this rabbinic impurity. When liquid touches a utensil, we say that it uh, it only makes that area of the utensil impure, as the Gemara is about to get into. And that's only with regards to truma. When it comes to, when it comes to kachim, when it comes to service in the base of Mikdash, it makes the entire utensil impure, just like on the biblical level. On the biblical level, it makes the entire once it touches one part of the utensil, the entire utensil is impure. That stringency applies to kachim to the service in the base of Mikdash. But it doesn't apply to truma. When it comes to truma, if it touches just one part, it doesn't make the entire utensil impure. And the reason behind that, the reason that's given behind that is specifically to show how this is a rabbinic impurity, that this is not on a biblical level, this is only on a rabbinic level, so therefore there are going to be various leniencies to explicitly show how this is only on a rabbinic level. So the Gemara says, Acharayim v'toch. So the Gemara is going to get into details. My Acharayim v'toch. What does it mean the outside and the inside. We say that if it touches the outside, it doesn't make the inside impure. Kedidnan, the Mishnah says, let's say a vessel, a different Mishnah says in Kalim, that a vessel becomes tame on the outside, becomes impure on the outside through the contact of liquids, which is only a rabbinic impurity. The outside is tame. However, the outside is impure. Tocho, the inside. Ogno, the rim of the vessel. Ozno, the ear of the vessel, uh, the ear of the vessel, which is like the handle, like by a pitcher, or Yadav, the straight handle. If it's a straight handle, all that is Tahor, all that is pure, is Tahor. However, Nitzmatoho, but if the inside becomes Tame, if it touches something on the inside, then Kulo Tame. We say the entirety is Tame, the entirety is impure. The, the leniency here is only when it touches something on the outside, it makes everything on the inside, the rim, the handles, all of that becomes, remains pure, it does not become impure. Okay, and that's the ruling of the Mishnah that, with regards to Truma, 
will have such a distinction because, and the reason for the distinction is because specifically because this is a rabbinic uh, impurity. We'll read a little bit more and then we'll conclude the daf, the recordings for this week. The Mishnah also says includes in it ubeis hatzvita. It includes in that which is doesn't become impure the uh, the base hatzvita. That's uh, that's included, not just the inside. Uh, but also the base Hatsvita does not become impure. If it touches something on the outside, the base Hatsvita does not become impure. So the question is, what is the base Hatsvita? My base Hatsvita. So there's going to be two explanations of what this is. Just technically, what is it? It's the place where you hand it over from one person to the next. That area. So the outside has been pure, but the, the, the area where you hand it over from one person to the next, that does not become impure. And they prove it from a verse of handing it over. Second explanation, It's the place where people who are, you know, they're very careful. They don't want to mix different parts, meaning the um, the dips with the regular food, which is in the utensil. So they had a different, a special compartment just for their dips, right? They were talking about a utensil which contains food. So they had one area for the food, another area for the dips. So that's the base at Svita. The base at Svita is the area for the dips. Okay, so either way, if it becomes Tameh through impure, through a liquid on the outside, it does not make the base at Svita, these two different explanations, whether it's the handle to hand things over from one person to the next, or it's this special compartment for the dips, it does not make that area impure. Okay, now as we pointed out, the Mishnah says that this is true, with regards to truma, that when it comes to truma, the utensil is not, if it touches liquid, which is impure, it does not become completely impure. If it touches the outside, the inside is still pure. But when it comes to kachim, it is impure. We say when it comes to kachim, it's just like on the biblical level, we'll have that stringency to uh, deal with it as if it's a biblical impurity where it makes the entire utensil impure. The Gemara now says, a quote to Brysa. The Brysa says, Tani Rabbi Kameder of Nachman. The Brysa says, or sorry, it was taught. The Rabbi taught the following Brysa in front of Nachman. We don't make these distinctions. When, when do we not make these distinctions? When it comes to Kachim, which makes sense, that's what our Mishnah said. When it comes to, when it comes to Kachim, we don't make this distinction. But then it adds, But not just when it comes to the uh, the kachim for the temple, for the base of Migdash, the service of the Migdash, but even that which is holy in the borders, outside of the base of Migdash, we also don't make a distinction, which is which is difficult. Because Amalei, kachim, when we talk about holy things outside the base of Migdash, isn't that referring to truma? It should be referring to truma. And But our Misha says, Vatsana, our Misha says that we do make such distinctions when it comes to truma. Only when it comes to kachim do we not make such distinctions, but we do make such distinctions when it comes to truma. So the Gemara answers something which we had in the past. We're now on 22b5. The Gemara says that, you know what it means? It doesn't, it's not talking about kachim, it's not talking about the service in the base of Middash, but it's talking about those people who treat hulan, who treat, treat just the normal food that we eat, the regular food, they want to, they have a certain stringency to eat it, as if it has the stringencies of Kodesh, of the service in the base of Megdash. And we pointed out that uh, the first cases of the Mishnah, those stringencies that apply to the service in the base of Megdash also apply 
to people who treat regular food on the level of kachim, on the level of the other utensils that are used in the service of the base of Mikdash. And so that's what it's referring to when it says that we don't make a distinction between the inside and the outside, that it all becomes impure. It's referring to kachim. It's referring to kachim is bayach, the service in the temple. But it's also referring to holy things outside the temple. It's not referring to truma, but it's referring to chul and chenasu al kodesh, to just regular food, which has a person on their, on their own deal with it with a certain level of stringency of kodesh. And the Gemara says, this is what we had earlier. This is what Rabbi Baravua said. We have 11 uh, cases in the Mishnah where we have certain stringencies when it comes to Kachim, when it comes to service in the base of Mikdash. Sheish Rishonos, the first six. Bein l'kodesh, bein l'chul, and shenasu al-tarasu kodesh Achronos l'kodesh, lo l'chul, and shenasu al-tarasu kodesh The first six apply both to Kodesh and to the service in the base of Mikdash and to the, when an individual wants to treat regular food with the stringencies of Kodesh, the last five do not apply to those. They only apply to Kodesh, but not to the regular food which has, which a person decided to make, to put on the level of stringency of Kodesh. That it doesn't apply to for the last five, only for Kodesh, only for the actual service in the base of Megdosh. Okay, that concludes our page for the week. The Gemara will go on and discuss some of the other cases that are found in the Mishnah. Again, the Mishnah is all about uh, certain stringencies that we have towards Kachim, towards service in the base of Mikdash, above and beyond Truma, above and beyond the food that we have, that we give to the Kohen, that's holy food that we give to the Kohen, as part of the uh, Truma. So the Gemara is going to continue on with some of the cases of the Mishnah.